the SD Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at sndpodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. Ready or not, oh, here I come. Oh, you can't hide. Gonna find you and make you yeah. want me. Now that I escape, sleep, walk away. Yeah. Those who correlate know the world they kick. Jail bars ain't golden gates. Those who fake, they break when they meet their four. Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? Welcome to this edition of the Jay's Weekend Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 63. And you heard that legendary track right there from a legendary band called the Fugees. And that band and that particular song was, from what I understand from reading and and, uh, looking at things, was Scott Hall's favorite song. (laughs) And um, he used that theme song very in his very short stint in ECW and in his very short stints in Japan here and there and he actually used it in WCW in house shows from what I heard as well with that being said um this episode is dedicated to the life and the memory of one of my favorites growing up and we're going to be speaking uh plenty about him tonight in this episode This episode is dedicated to Scott Hall, who, as of tomorrow, as of tomorrow evening, Monday, would be seven days since his passing. Um, And I'm not going to get into the, you know, gory details of it. I mean, you know, you know, he uh, went in for hip surgery, broke his hip um, and had complications from the surgery, Um, caught some blood clots, you know, which led to a few heart attacks. And when he was put on life support, and normally when, you know, unless a miracle happens, when someone's put on life support, it's pretty much the end. So all his family and friends came together, took him off. The damn dude lasted six hours off of life support before passing. And, um, you know, still relatively young, you know, 63 years old, you know, come on. I mean, it, it wasn't, you know in the 30s 40s you know whatever but you know in your 60s you're still you're still moving around i know a lot of people and i work with people who are in their 60s you know still moving around still you know joking around having fun yeah i mean so we're gonna talk about scott hall in this episode along with some little tidbits of of things that have come out since the last time i've been on you know wrestlemania is coming around um, which means we're going to have a lot of wrestling <laughs> going down in, within the next few weeks. And a little bit of news about me. I am actually going to AT&T Stadium for the second year in a row, which is the, a first for me. Because growing up, I didn't really get to go to WrestleMania that much until I became an adult and got my own money for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've been to WrestleMania 29, which was in uh, MetLife Stadium when I lived in New York City. And I went to Tampa last year. So I am actually going to Texas. I am, for the first time ever, I'm going to Texas. And I will be, myself and my uncle from New York is going to meet up with me. We are going to go to WrestleMania 38. So should be a great time. Um, We're going to both nights. 
and we'll see what mayhem we could cause throughout the weekend. <laughs> so with that being said, like I said, we're going to talk about Scott Hall, a.k.a. Reza Ramon, the bad guy, along with other characters that he had that aren't really publicized. I mean, they, they've been mentioned here and there, but, you know, before he got big as Razor, he was also the diamond stud in WCW. And before that, even before that, in the AWA, he was just Big Scott Hall when he was a monster back then. I mean, Big Scott Hall in the AWA when he was tag team champions with Kurt Henning, um, that was before my time technically because I was born in 86, and by then Hall was already a two- or three-year pro at that point. Um, so I can only go by what I've seen maybe on some YouTube videos or even old-school cassettes that I've had when I was growing up because I did the tape trading back then and uh, well back in the nineties and I would come across some old AWA super card shows or, you know, the super clashes and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it, it I've seen old footage of the diamond stud in WCW and all that. Even, even then I was very little when he portrayed the diamond stud in WCW being managed by diamond Dallas page you know, and even a short-lived tag team with he and 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 Kevin Nash when Kevin Nash was Oz. <laughs> what a terrible character! <laughs> but it looked cool, but not so much. And even if you look at the Diamond Stud, it was like the precursor to to Razor Ramon. You know what I mean? It was the precursor to it because he had the toothpick, he had the hair. You know, it. it he had the move because he had the Razor's Edge. When he was the diamond stud, he just called it, I believe, the diamond death drop or something like that. You know what I mean? So even then, it was just he wasn't really making it big. Back then in WCW, you know, unless you were Sting or Flair, they had even back then a hell of a lot of talent. And it, and it was really hard to get pushed through, you know, to be a main player. You know, so I, the other day I was watching the Razor Ramon documentary that WWE came out with years ago. Um, and he said, well, you know, I've always wanted to go to WWE. And he said he called WWE for a year straight asking to speak with Pat Patterson because Pat Patterson would have been the one to, to get him through. So he said he called for a year and Pat was never available or he was always in a meeting or he was always doing something. He just could never return a young Scott Hall's phone call. And then finally, um, I guess he got in touch with his old buddy, Kurt Hennig, who was Mr. Perfect at the time in WWE. And I guess Mr. Perfect got him through. So he called one more time and look at that. Pat Patterson was able to answer or call him back. And, um, he got him, you know, an interview with, with Vince. And, uh, so Vince wanted to see what type of character he was going to get for him. And then Scott Hall being the smart, uh, uh, wrestling, the, the great wrestling mind that he was. Because if you want to look back at it, he helped rejuvenize two of the biggest stars in this industry's career in Hulk Hogan when he ended up doing the NWO in WCW. Scott Hall, I think, helped Hogan become more less Hulk Hogan and more Hollywood Hogan. And we'll get to that in a little bit when we talk about his, his second run in WCW. Um, and also in that same run, he helped rejuvenize Sting and help Sting move, you know, forward with the times and, and, and be more, you know, into 
the mid nineties at the time. And if it wasn't for Scott Hall, we wouldn't have got the crow gimmick of sting. But once again, we'll get there. <laughs> but now we're in the, what I remember, what I first saw him as razor Ramon. So he tells Vince McMahon, have you ever seen the movie Scarface? And I guess at the, t- at, at Vince, <laughs> his life is wrestling. So if he even goes to the supermarket, you know, it's a stretch, let alone him going to, to the movie theaters to see a movie. You know what I mean? So I don't think, I think Vince at that point saw the movie and saw Scott Hall's portrayal and was like, that's the character. So with Hall's ingenuity, along with Vince McMahon being Vince McMahon, they got the promos out there. He had his first singles match. And here's a little bit of trivia for you guys. What was Scott Hall's as Razor Ramon first match in WWE? It was against an enhancement talent named Paul Van Dale, who happens to be the father of Carmella. Cool, right? A lot of people don't correlate Carmella as being a second generation wrestler, but she is. Interesting factoid. Factoid. Whoop. But back to Scott Hall. <laughs> so Razor Ramon makes his debut. He gets his first big program. What a way to start against the macho man, Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah, dig it, yeah, Slim Jim, all that. Other. <laughs> Another one of my favorites who was taken away from us a little too soon. Um, but, yeah, he credits, you know, macho man, Randy Savage, as being his first big program. And at Survivor Series 1992, it was going to be Razor Ramon and Ric Flair against macho man, Randy Savage, and the Ultimate Warrior. But we all know what happened there. Ultimate Warrior uh, got let go from WWE. In came Mr. Perfect turning babyface because he was sided with Flair and, and Ramon and, and, and Bobby Heenan. Mr. Perfect turned babyface. And then you had Savage and Perfect against Flair and Savage. Uh, yeah, he and Perfect against Flair and Savage. Great match, by the way. Really cool. In Scott Hall... As Razor Ramon, speaking of cool, he just exudes cool. You can't, and one time Kevin Nash said in an interview, you can't teach someone to be cool. Scott just had it. You know what I mean? And that's one thing about Scott Hall that I always remember is he always had swag, bro. He, he was just swag personified. Always looking like the coolest guy in the room. Remember Enzo Amore used to do, you know, uh, uh, what was that shtick that he used to do when him and Big Cass would come to the ring? Realist guys in the room, uh, uh, you know, something like that. Whenever you saw Scott Hall, yo, that dude just looks cool. You know what I mean? Even Kevin Nash, you'll see Nash and he's like, yeah, you know, he 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 he, he seems cool or whatever. But you look at Scott and you're like, that's a cool looking dude. You know what I mean? And then as time went on, Scott Hall became, the Razor Ramon character became so popular you just had to turn him babyface. <laughs> he made it cool to be the bad guy to the point that he became a babyface. So he became that popular, which led him to the Intercontinental title. Even before that, he had a he had a shot against Bret the Hitman Hart at the Royal Rumble, a match that I've seen probably millions of times because and I still still to this day have that cassette tape in my house it's in my garage somewhere royal rumble 1993 at sacramento california in the arco arena i'll never forget it it was the night that yokozuna won the royal rumble 
It was the night that the Steiner brothers made their WWE pay-per-view debut. Um, it was the night that Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty finally had a match against each other. And it was Razor Ramon and Bret the Hitman Hart for the WWE title. In a good match. In a very good match. His Scott Hall could have a good match with anybody. Anybody. Could be someone just as big as he, someone taller, or a little guy. I mean, Brett, I mean, compared to Scott Hall, Brett is a little guy, even though Brett is a good, what, six foot, maybe 230, 220. Scott Hall's a big guy. And you see, a lot of people forget how big Scott Hall actually was. Because you see him always next to Kevin Nash, who's even bigger. Kevin Nash is, yes, 6'11, 315 pounds at the time in, in his prime. You know, they list them, WWE and, and pro wrestling, they always list these guys probably bigger than what they are. Let's face it, Big Show is not 7'5", okay, when he was the Giants, or, or or take that out, when he was Giants, you know what I mean? No, he wasn't 7'5", 550 pounds. No, never. He was probably 500 pounds, but he was never 7'5", or 7'4", okay? Because even the great Kali, who, they, who is ginormous and taller than the Big Show, is only 7'2", 7'3", okay? So let's just throw that out there. Omas, they say, is 7'3", or 7'4". I can believe that. Because that man looks like a fucking tree. But you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going off the rail here like I usually do when I start rambling. Like I said, Scott Hall in his prime was probably 6'5", 6'6", about 275. In the AWA, he was even bigger. He was about 290 at the time. He was a big freaking dude, okay? And he was very agile. He can sell. His punches look like they hurt. His kicks look like they hurt. The razor's edge was a great move. His lead up, the fall away slam was always was always good. The back suplex from the middle rope was always good. And, and it looked like the landing sucked every time for the guy taking it. The guy can work. He was a great worker. Always. Even, it's funny, Jim Cornette one time when he was uh, doing his weekly raw like shoots that he used to do, he was talking about the NWO. He was talking about Hogan Hall and Nash, I do believe, at one point. And he said Scott Hall was the best worker out of out of, out of the three. And that, we're talking about 1996, 1997. Granted, Hogan was washed. Hogan's been washed for a long time, okay? He could still put on a show, but he was washed in terms of a wrestler at that time. Kevin Nash was a big guy who did big power moves. You can't expect him... You know, to do any more, what's he going to do? He's going to be a seven foot, 300 pound Rey Mysterio. What do you expect him to do? But Scott Hall, who at the time, like I said, was about 6'6", six, six, about 275, 280, can put on great matches. He's always been that way, you know? Um, so, yeah, back to the WWE run. He was a great Intercontinental Champion. The reason why Scott Hall ended up leaving to go to wcw N number one the money of course because the money was great but number two vince mcmahon wasn't going to push him any more than he already did mcmahon did not want him in the main event picture for some reason uh, either his boy Shawn michaels had a stranglehold on it or whatever but scott hall was the guy and 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 he said it himself in one of his shoot interviews that he was like the modern day tito santana uh, upper mid card baby face that if you can have a good match with razor you'll go up to the main event to go against uh nash or or sean or brett or or whoever scott hall was that gatekeeper to get to the main event how 
ironic is that he was his own gatekeeper because he couldn't get to the main event himself. It was silly. It was silly that he never got to the main event. You know, that that man never won a legitimate heavyweight championship in any of the big companies. Unbelievable. How? I don't understand. I mean, if you and if you look at the landscape of WWE at that time, from 94 to 96 when he left, who were the champions? Kevin Nash, Bret Hart, Bob Backlund. Come on, man. <laughs> and, and even earlier, from 93 to 96, Yokozuna, Hulk Hogan, who ended up winning the belt and, and, and dropping it back to Yoko and leaving. Like I said, after that, you have Brett, Backlund, Nash, back to Brett, sprinkle in some Undertaker maybe, Sean. Yeah, fine. All great, cha- all great champions, legends, whatever. You couldn't tell me at any time during that four-year period when Scott Hall became a four-time Intercontinental Champion, you couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't get a, a main Ross a main event push at any point, especially when you had a heel heel champions. Who would? Let's look at it this way: just just armchair quarterbacking here. What if it was Razor Ramon? that beat Bob Backlund in four seconds in Madison square garden and not diesel. Maybe, maybe the times would have been a little different because if you look at Kevin Nash's run at at the top in WWE in 1995 was considered one of the worst. No disrespect to Kevin Nash wasn't his fault. It was the way they booked it and the opponents they gave him. Good Lord. But Maybe Razor Ramon would have had a better run, maybe, character-wise. Or maybe he would have had better matches with some of these dudes. I don't know. But we will never know because it never happened. Which is why, and I can understand Razor wanting to leave, not just because of the money, but just because of the way they were using him. And it seemed like it plateaued. He He needed a fresh start. I understand it. Kevin Nash, on the other hand, they pushed him to the top. He won the championship. He had the big matches. He just did, he did it for the money. <laughs> and his, his, his best friend was, was going. So I can understand it too. Everybody needs money. Sure, I would have did it. <laughs> to my understanding, Shawn Michaels wanted to do it too, but they, they weren't going to let that happen. <laughs> they they, they would have probably rather got rid of Bret Hart. Oh, go figure. It happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Scott Hall shows up on an episode of Nitro totally totally bringing the wrestling world to its knees. Because now, wait a minute. A WWE contracted superstar is just walking on to Nitro. What is happening here? The hostile takeover. That's what they called it. Kevin Nash shows up a couple weeks later. Then Bash at the Beach 1996, the birth of the NWO. One of the greatest times in wrestling history. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash with a mystery third man going up against the total package Lex Luger, Sting, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. 
the match goes on three against two handicap style. Even though right at the beginning, Lex Luger gets knocked out, taken out of the match. So it's pretty much Sting and Savage against Hall and Nash. Comes to a point later in the match. Kevin Nash gives uh, Randy Savage a low blow, takes him out. All of a sudden, here comes Hulk Hogan. You hear Bobby the Brain Heenan with one of the greatest lines ever. Because <laughs> Dusty Rhodes and, and Tony Schiavone are like, oh, yeah, Hulkamania is here, blah, blah, blah. You hear Bobby Heenan, whose side is he on? What? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Hogan gets in the ring. Hall and Nash scatter. Hogan rips off the shirt and then drops a big old leg drop on a fallen macho man, Randy Savage. Whole wrestling world just turned upside down in two seconds. Hall and Nash get back in the ring. They triple team the guys, get rid of them. And the NWO was born. Now we're at the point where we have a guy in Hulk Hogan who has not been a heel in wrestling probably since 1982. (laughs) Does not know how to cut a heel promo to save his life because he still has that cheesy Hulk Hogan dialogue. Somebody has to turn Hulk Hogan cool. And who better to do it than Scott Hall? So they say uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash on a shoot interview, I believe. And they were saying, you know, it was tough, man. It was tough because Hogan, you know, Hulk, and they love Hulk to death. We love Hulkster, man. But he he was stuck in his uh, his 80s gimmick, brother. He kept... <laughs> <laughs> he was going off being loud and being all excited. And then, and Kat and Hall and Nash was saying, you know, this ain't going to work. We, we, so Scott Hall got with Hogan and told him, yo, man, you, you gotta be cool, man. You know, you talk a little calmer. You know what I mean? Like we ain't here to rile up the, we ain't here to rile things up. We're here to, you know, and it's something similar that Jake, the snake Roberts said back in the day. He was saying that my he my voice doesn't have to be loud for people to hear me. You know, if they're it, it's it's what I'm saying. It's not how loud I'm talking. You know what I mean? So Scott Hall rejuvenated Hogan's career. He turned it around a little bit. He became Hollywood and the NWO went off the way it went off. And we all remember, you know, the uh, the NWO kept growing and growing and growing. It lasted a few years. It split up. You had NWO Hollywood. You had NWO Wolfpack. Later on, you had NWO Elite. (laughs) Then you had NWO 2000. Between all those times, the Outsiders became one of the best tag teams in in wrestling history at that time, winning the WCW tag titles multiple times. Scott Hall at one point became a U.S. champion, television champion. There was a time where in 99, he held the U.S. title and the television title at the same time. but once again, unfortunately, he just never was able to get the world title. He won the World War III Battle Royal, which is a 60-man three-ring battle royal that WCW had, one of their gimmick matches. And Hall won it, I want to say, back in 98. He got a shot against Sting, for another guy that he helped um, rejuvenate his career. Because at one point, Sting who was still, you know, been the same character since 1985. <laughs> you know, the uh, the the hair, the blonde uh oh, what do you call that? crop top? Uh, that's that's not hair, that's a freaking shirt for women. Uh, I forget. <laughs> flat top, flat top. <laughs> he had the blonde 
uh, bleach blonde flat top. Um, you know, the, the, the regular, you know, colored face paint and, and the, the pants and stuff. And, and the character kind of got stale. So Scott Hall looked at Sting and said, yo, man, have you ever seen the crow, man? And he said, yeah, I've seen the crow. And he was like, you know, think about doing a crow gimmick, man. You know, the black and white, grow your hair, you know, everything black. You know, you can hang out in the rafters, blah, blah, blah. Laid it out all for him. And we still see that Sting character to this day in AEW, 20-something years later. You could thank Scott Hall for that, you know? Guy's so freaking smart, man. So freaking smart. What a mind for the business, you know? Um, Then in 2000, um, his WCW career came to an end, and uh, he made a short stint in ECW. Where he had, like I said, maybe a handful of matches, maybe two or three. I believe one match was against his uh, click buddy, Just Incredible, for the ECW title. And another match was to uh, Big Sal E. Graziano from the FBI. (laughs) Full-blooded Italians. Um, Didn't last long because uh, I don't know if WCW wanted to hire him back or, or, or whatever the case. But he ended up, WCW ended up going out of business. And uh, Scott Hall and a lot of those guys from the NWO and a lot of the other WCW stars didn't get brought into WWE right away because they still were on their Turner deal, which the Turner got bought out by uh, AOL, Time Warner. So a lot of those guys were paid to stay home or take indie bookings or, or work you know, in Japan or whatever. Scott Hall had one run in Japan uh, at, during that time. And uh, I sent this video to, to my homeboy. And um, it, it's a pretty cool story because uh, this he went to Japan, wrestled a, a young Japanese wrestler, and he put him over. He put the young Japanese guy over, and and this is the thing, man. Scott Hall has done this a couple of times in his career. He has made stars. And uh, he put this young kid over in a match that was a squash. Scott beat the crap out of this kid. But in the middle of the match, decided to call out the great Muda, who was a Japanese legend. And um, the kid rolled him up, got the one, two, three, you know, got the surprise win over the veteran. And apparently this kid told this story of how Scott Hall, after their match in the locker room, told him that this kid is going to be the future. You ha- you have it, man. Don't, wouldn't you know that that young kid is Japanese legend Hiroshi Tanahashi? Crazy that this dude built stars in America and in Japan. <laughs> Crazy. Unreal. It's awesome. And Hiroshi Tanahashi, I think, put that in his uh, tribute to Scott Hall this week after he passed away, you know, which is which is amazing, you know. And um, obviously Scott has had his issues, you know, throughout his life. And, you know, it's been very much documented. You don't need me to get into it. But uh, Diamond Dallas Page, one of his best friends, someone that DDP says he owes a lot to Scott Hall, brought him back, and he was able to get you know inducted into the Hall of Fame. But that was la- a little bit later on because we had one more run in the NWO, and that was in the WWE in 2002, which is not looked very fondly upon by people. It was fun to see, and, and the good... The good times lasted for all of, you know, a few. (laughs) But here's where some of it comes in. 
They came in in No Way Out 2002 where Vince McMahon wanted to inject a lethal dose of poison into his company because he was going to kill it. <laughs> I love that promo. I love that promo um, because Ric Flair was taking his company and, and driving it into the ground in the words of Vince McMahon. And if, any, if anybody's going to kill it, it's going to be me. Me and the N-W-O. It was so fun. Back then, it was fun. <laughs> but he brought in Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and, and they were off to the races. You know, the first person they jumped, Steve Austin. Then, The Rock. So, the funny thing is, Scott Hall's first match in WWE, I believe one-on-one -on -one was against The Rock on SmackDown. And The Rock posted a, a tribute to Scott Hall saying, you know, before the match that we had, I wanted to let him know that he is one of the biggest influences in my wrestling career. He studied Razor Ramon. He studied his mannerisms. He studied his punches, his kicks, his matches. And he just wanted to let him know before they work out there that, you know, we're going to tear the roof off of this place. And, and, and I thank you for where I'm at. Crazy. No one would think, you know, that a, he was a high mid-carder in WWE and in WCW, but influenced someone like The Rock. Unbelievable. That just shows how much, you know, cachet this man had, you know, and, 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 you know, the WrestleMania match with Steve Austin. For me in 2002 to see that match, it was a dream. It was a dream because I was a big Scott Hall fan. And, and and for my money, Stone Cold Steve Austin's the best ever. But they're both probably in my top 10 of my favorites. So for me to see that, it was great. And I thought the match was fine. Scott Hall sells that stunner. <laughs> I love the way he sells it. <laughs> he just bounces up in the air and just falls to the ground. It's great. I love it. <laughs> but um yeah his time his second run in wwe wasn't long unfortunately you know his demons did catch up to him and you know they felt he wasn't performing how he how his potential you know to his potential and you got to remember scott hall was already in his 40s when he came back to wwe and back then unlike now you know, being in your 40s now, you're you're a young buck in WWE. <laughs> you, you could still go. But back then, they, they considered that pretty old, man. And that's that Nash was also in his 40s. And, and, and Hogan, forget about it. Who knows? <laughs> but um, unfortunately, he got let go after the, the plane ride from hell incident <laughs> where a lot of those guys got released. Um. But that's a story for another time. You can see it on uh, Dark Side of the Ring or whatever the case. But from there, you know, he just pretty much took a bunch of indie bookings. Uh, you know, his pro career in terms of big time was pretty much over. He had a run in TNA, um, which lasted on and off for, for a while. Um, you know, they brought the band back together, which is their version of the NWO. They also had the kings of, of, of pro wrestling. I'm not going to say the kings of wrestling because, you know, I rather that moniker. Even though they did have that name before Chris Hero and, and, and Claudio Castagnoli, a.k.a. Cesaro. So I guess we can call it that. Jeff Jarrett, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall were known as the kings of wrestling. 
um, Scott Hall and 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 uh, and Sean Waltman, and we'll get into Sean Waltman in a little bit because he was probably the main one that he put over and he created a star. So we'll get to him in a second. Um, but yeah, he had a run in TNA. They were TNA tag team champions. Uh, he and Kevin Nash, um, which is cool because they won tag titles in 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 TNA and WCW. They I don't think they won in WWE. I know Kevin Nash and Michaels were tag champs. I'm not sure if Scott Hall ever won a tag title in WWE. He maybe him in the one two three kid. I'm not sure. I would have to get. I would have to do research on that. I just knew Scott Hall in WWE as a four time Intercontinental Champion and probably one of the best IC champs of all time. For me, going along with uh, Kurt Hennig, Brett. Uh, uh, Jericho, um, um, Rick Rude, uh, to name a few. Uh, the, Razor Ramon is definitely in my top ten Intercontinental Champions for sure. Maybe even top five. Um, so yeah, after his stint in TNA was done, you know, that was around what 2010, 2011. Um, you know, from there it was just his his comeback, his vindication from all the craziness that was going on with the help of DDP and DDP yoga and Jake Roberts and a lot of these guys and fast forward to the hall of fame where he became a hall of famer, you know, he became clean. He looked good. He was getting in shape and he accepted his award his deserving award, you know, and then down the road, he actually made a couple appearances in WWE, you know, WrestleMania and, and where was that? I want to say WrestleMania 31, Triple H versus Sting, the, and DX comes out to help Triple H, and then the NWO comes out to help Sting. That was freaking awesome. I loved it. <laughs> I didn't love the outcome, but I loved it. You know, Scott looked good. Kev, Hogan, everybody looked good, man. You had the, the New Age Outlaws. You had X-Pac. You had all these guys. You know, it's always good to see them. It was always good to see them, you know. Like I said, I'm not going to talk any of the negative here. This is all positive, man. We're celebrating this dude. I know there's there, there was plenty of times that he didn't look great, and, and we all know it, but you know what? We ain't worried about that. His suffering, the beauty of it all, man, his suffering is over. His pain is over. The depression is over. Everything is over. Everything's done. You know, he can, he can, he can sleep in peace, man. The, the man went through enough. He had a rough life. He had a tough one. But you know what? Scott Hall left an indelible. He left a great mark. <laughs> on on pro wrestling he left a great legacy in pro wrestling that man will be remembered and celebrated for as long as people are involved in pro wrestling man um he became a two-time hall of famer because he later a few years later in 2020 i do believe to about a year or two ago was it 2020 or 2021 i think 2020 he went in with his nwo brothers as the nwo went in as a as a group hall nash hogan and six and X Pop. Um, I I mean, I wish Eric Bischoff would have been in that crew. You know, he kinda was the man with them, but you know, it's neither here or there. Um and then, you know, fast forward to now, unfortunately, where he is no longer with us. So, um, you know, I will always remember Scott Hall. He is uh one of my favorites of all time. And, you know, the thing is, we grow up, we get older, but <laughs> we got to remember, man, these guys get older with us. And uh, they're not going to be around forever, you know. Uh, a lot of guys who are up there in age, you know, look at Ric Flair, the scare that he had uh, like a year or two ago. We thought we were going to lose him. 
um how long is is hogan and 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 luger and staying who's and i'll talk about my uh experience going to the AEW pay-per-view a couple weeks back in a few but staying who's 62 years old and he's jumping off balconies going through putting people through tables you know how long can he do this <laughs> you know what i mean and um you know even nash nash was a big guy nash is a freaking giant man and, and and Big Show and all these guys are still around, you know, but they're not going to be around forever. You know, as as every year we lose we lose these guys and it's rough. You know, it's always being a fan as long as I have, you know, I'm 30 I'm going to be 36 years old this year and I've been a fan all my life. It's like you, you it's like you grow up with these guys and I know they don't know you and you don't know them personally, but it does hurt every time something like this happens. You know, it's always tragic. And Scott Hall, I found myself praying for him like like if he was a family member, like if he was one of my uncles. I was like, yo, please let, let him pull through. You know what I mean? But um, it, it, if, if it was his time, it was his time. You know, uh, God bless him, man. God, uh, his family. You know, obviously he has uh, his big son, Cody, Cody Hall, who, you know, trained in the New Japan Dojo and, and, and was able to train with his dad for, for a while. And um. You know, prayers to him and and whatever whoever other kids that 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 Hall had and you know his family. You know, God bless them. You know what I mean. And before I jump off of 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 talking about the late great Scott Hall, let's go back to to Sean Waltman real quick because Scott Hall made him made him a star. You know, I I, I also have this on tape somewhere. It was a Monday Night Raw in 1993, and Razor Ramon is coming out to the ring, and he's about to go against. The kid who's <laughs> who he had different names like every week. He was the cannonball kid, the lightning kid. But after this night, he'll be known as the one, two, three kid because he got a shocking victory over Razor Ramon. And um, Razor Ramon was just beating him down. Boom, boom, tossing him around the ring, beating him down. Then all of a sudden, this kid jumps off the top rope, does a moonsault, catches Razor in the dome with his knee. Razor gets knocked out, and the kid pins him right in the middle of the ring. One, two, three, boom. And then the next week, Scott Hall puts up, I want to say, $10,000 or $5,000. I could be off. It's either or. He puts up all that money so he could have a match with the kid one more time. The whole crowd is chanting, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So now he comes out. He's the one, two, three kid. Sean Waltman became a star. Scott Hall was beating him down in this match. Boom, 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 boom. The kid didn't get a, a pinfall on Razor this time. However, in the middle of the match, he just grabs the money and runs out the door. <laughs> but ever since then, Sean Waltman became a star. There was a match with the 1-2-3 kid in IRS, Erin R. Scheister, I do believe. Or, 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 yeah, one of those guys from the million-dollar, I want to say, corporation or whatever. And he got jumped, and he was getting beat down. And who came to the kid's rescue? Razor Ramon. And Razor Ramon and the kid became a little makeshift tag team for a while. But then, obviously, you had the click. You had Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, uh, Waltman, uh, PJ Walker, I believe at the time, who was Aldo Montoya, who later on became just incredible, was a click member. Um, you know, so they all became cool, and they all ended up ruling the WWF for that short period of time. So... Scott Hall made people, and like I said, he left a great legacy behind in the world of professional wrestling. So hopefully after hearing this, you heard some stuff you 
obviously did know already or didn't know and, you know, gives you more perspective on how great this man was, you know. And uh, this one hurt. This one hurt. So rest in peace to the late, great Scott Hall. Say goodbye to the bad guy, Chico. Hey, yo. <laughs> so with that being said, uh, we're going to close off on this soon. I'm going to just give little tidbits. Um, like I said, I went to the AEW pay-per-view a couple weeks back. Um, I didn't have a great start to the night because <laughs> I was out here in Florida in the Orlando area. It was at a UCF campus, uh, University of Central Florida, and it was at the Addition Financial Center. Um and the parking situation kind of caught me off guard because <laughs> they had all these parking garages. Obviously, it's a college campus, so the you know the kids, I guess, all park there. But they were charging fifteen bucks for parking, but which is fine. I have the money, but I I don't usually carry cash with me. So I get to the spot and I'm like, all right, you know, there's a lot of people still waiting outside. I'll make it in for the buy-in, you know, whatever, blah blah blah. I get to the parking. They have a big old sign that says "Only Cash." I said, shit. I don't carry <laughs> So I don't see the sign until like I'm about to pass through like to the attendant and there's like 18 cars behind me. And I'm like, um, are, you guys don't take cards. You know, is it just cash? You know, and they're like, yep, just cash. And I was like, oh shit. So they're like, oh, there's an ATM by the campus, which is a few blocks down. And I'm like, oh man, but don't I got to park? How am I going to park? And they're like, oh, you could double park. And I'm like, fuck. Okay, fine. So I exit the freaking uh, uh, parking garage, go get cash, which took a while, come back to the same parking garage. Now there's like 30 cars in front of me, and I'm just like, crap. The parking lot is almost freaking full. I got to park all the way at the freaking top of the parking garage, come back down, walk the three, four blocks to the arena. The line is out the door. Meanwhile, the buy-in is already almost over. I'm like, geez, man. I missed like two or three matches. <laughs> None of them really whatever. But um, I'll tell you this. It was my first AEW event. I had a freaking blast, okay? The matches were great. You know, uh, everything was cool. I was like, yo, you know, like I had great seats. I was kind of a little over the cameraman. So I'm looking over them. I'm seeing them record. It was cool. You know, I took a bunch of great pictures. I got to see CM Punk live with his old school ROH entrance and theme song. That was dope. Um, the match was great. Um, I got to see William Regal bring Brian Danielson and John Moxley together as a tag team. Um, you know, the crowd was amped all night long. You just felt the energy. It was a good vibe. It was a good experience. And uh, yeah, I mean, if a if a if AEW pay per view. Or even an AEW show is in your town. I would I would recommend go checking it out, you know, because just all night, just the 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 vibes and and the 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 feeling and all that other stuff. It, it felt it just felt great. It was just a great show. I I just loved it. Um, and once again, I'm not a shill for any wrestling company. I am a wrestling fan. I love all wrestling. I, I don't give a shit. Uh, you know what I mean? If wrestling's in your town, go watch it. <laughs> I don't care what company it is. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, like I said, I'm going to WrestleMania this year, and the card is shaping up rather nicely. 
if I may say so myself. And for those who don't know the card, I'm going to pull it up real quick. Real quick, just to get that out there, because I will be doing a WrestleMania preview show um, when the time comes. And I, I mean, I'm just excited, excited that I'm going to be there, man. It, you know, like I said, I'm going to try to make this a yearly thing. You know, just put money to the side. And, you know, next year it's going to be in Hollywood. I've never been to California, so I'm going to try that too. You know, why not? So, so far, we got Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. Okay, now I know news came out today that Bianca Belair was uh, injured. A lot of people think she's not going to actually be at Mania this year. Stop it. It's a freaking storyline, okay? It's like, yay, we must have we forgotten what WWE does here, okay? Do you remember WrestleMania 3? Macho Man Randy Savage injures Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's neck. Nobody thinks he's going to perform. Nobody thinks he's going to make it. He made it, and they had one of the best matches of the night, if not the, okay? And it's still talked about to this very day. Bianca Belair will be at WrestleMania. So it'll be Becky Lynch defending the Raw Women's Championship against uh, Bianca Belair. You got Ray and Dominic Mysterio versus The Miz and Logan Paul. Ugh. I'll tell you this much. This WrestleMania this year is loaded with celebrity matches. I mean, okay. Logan Paul. Oh, brother. Um, Drew McIntyre going against Happy Corbin. All right. I guess they needed something for, for Drew to do. Eh? <laughs> and I believe this is all... Night one, which is April 2nd. You got the Usos defending against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Boogs is a big bastard. I didn't realize how big he was until he just starts pressing people over his head with one arm and shit. It's like, damn, bro. It's a big guy. Um, Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Then you have night two. You have Queen Zelina and Carmella versus Sasha Banks and Naomi versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan and now added to the match to make it a fatal four-way, Natalia and Shayna Baszler for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville in a match where anything goes. Looks like we're going to have a lot of props and a lot of jackassery going on here. (laughs) Should be interesting. Um... You have Austin Theory versus Pat McAfee. Now, I saw the interview with Vince McMahon on the Pat McAfee uh, podcast which, live on YouTube. It was awesome, to be honest with you, because how rare. Well, what is it? He hadn't done an interview like that in 15 years. I think the last one he did like that was with Bob Costas <laughs> on HBO. You know, it was cool to see to see Vince, man. It, anytime you want to see Vince McMahon do a live interview, you should. It, it it's it's very rare, especially at his age. You know, um, but it was dope. It was dope. I I one hundred percent recommend it. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's on YouTube. Um, Pat McAfee has had two good matches under his belt in NXT. Adam Cole and the What do you call that? War Games match. The guy can go. And Austin Theory is the future. So it should be decent. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past it being a good match. 
AJ Styles versus Edge, the newly heel Edge with the new theme music. Same band, by the way, Alter Bridge. Um, I like it. I mean, it's kind of 20 years or 15 years too late to kind of rejuvenate Edge, right? Or, or I mean, so far he's done well, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. He's going to have a good match with AJ Styles, so we'll see how it goes. Then, of course, winner take all, unification match, WWE and Universal title, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Then you also have, at some point, they're going to try to throw this in there somewhere, rated RK bro. It get rated RK bro. <laughs> Because <laughs> I was just talking about Edge, so I figured rated RKO. RK Bro, Orton and Riddle versus the Street Profits. And I think they're going to add the Alpha Academy to this as well to be a uh, triple, th- triple threat tag team match. And then Kevin Owens will have a special episode of the KO show, which could lead to a brawl could lead to a match could lead to whatever but his guest will be stone cold steve austin now i haven't seen stone cold steve austin live since 1996 or 7 i want to say a madison square garden show or something but for me this is probably a wrestling fan's dream to hear a pop for steve austin in texas WrestleMania 17 is quite possibly one of my favorite, if not my favorite, WrestleManias. It was in Texas. I want to say not the Reliant Astrodome. It could have been because it was the Houston Astros. Yeah, the Reliant Astrodome. The pop that that man got when that glass shattered and he came out. Holy shit. I'm going to be able to feel that at WrestleMania 38. Unbelievable. And if it turns out being a match, even better. It's it's amazing. Which leads us to Seth Rollins. <laughs> Seth Rollins is depressed because he doesn't have a match. Now, a certain somebody, about two weeks ago, because that's what they said in the article the other day when news broke, PW Insider, I believe broke the article, broke the news. Cody Rhodes has signed with WWE. I believe they set a five-year deal for $3 million. Huh. It's been speculated for a while. That'll be Cody and Seth at WrestleMania. And then from there, supposedly Cody will be a raw guy which will, I guess, continue the feud with Rollins going down the road. How do they do it? Now that everybody knows Cody signed, now the mystery is finally resolved because everybody was like, oh, he ain't going back. He's going to run Ring of Honor. (laughs) I didn't think for a second he was going to run Ring of Honor. I knew for a fact in my mind, I, I mean, I didn't know. I don't know anybody in the industry to give me insight. But I was like, he's going back to WWE. It's going to be real interesting to see how they push Cody. 
or even if they push Cody. I think they will. Just to sp- if if anything, just to spite AEW, they will push Cody. <laughs> so yeah, maybe Seth Rollins does an open challenge in the middle of the ring at Mania, and that's when they bring Cody out. Listen, Mania's two weeks away. They could easily bring him out tomorrow night on Raw or even the Raw before Mania. Or they'll just save it for Mania. Supposedly they have an open spot at 11.30 p.m. at Access after Mania, night one or two. I forget when it is. And supposedly people are saying that's going to be Cody Rhodes. Whatever. Are they going to save it till the Raw after Mania? which has been known to be the most popular night of the wrestling year for WWE and the biggest pops. Maybe Cody will get a shot at the raw after mania. Who knows? But all we know is the mystery is over. It's signed. It's done. He's in WWE. Maybe we get Cody versus Seth. That'll be something. That'll be something to watch. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of things going on that weekend. You got NXT stand and deliver. You got Braun Breaker going to trying to become a two-time NXT champion, challenging Dolph Ziggler. Now, I'll tell you this. I'm happy Dolph Ziggler is NXT champion. If anybody deserves to go into WrestleMania weekend as a champion, it is freaking Dolph Ziggler. Maybe this is his last hurrah. And if it is good for him, you know, you got Ring of Honor. Under the ownership of Tony Khan and AEW having their first show back. They find we're finally gonna see FTR versus the Briscoes. I don't know what else is on the card yet. I think this is super card of honor, I do believe. So should be interesting. You have the Hall of Fame, The Undertaker. Well overdue. Vader. Well overdue. Queen Charmel. (laughs) Listen, I love me some Booker T. I do. I love Harlem Heat. Deserving. Charmel, just my opinion. And of course, to them... To the wrestlers, to all these guys, my opinion ain't going to mean shit. My opinion? Hell no. (laughs) Hell no. You're going to tell me Paisley from WCW, who was a ripoff Apollonia character for Prince Iakea? And then what did she do in WWE? Oh, hell, King Booker. What did she do? Come on, man. And she went to TNA with Booker T. What'd she do there? Nothing. Had one of the worst matches in history with General Maraska. That's a Hall of Famer? Well, we really lowered our standards this year. You couldn't put Mickey James in after she just appeared in the Royal Rumble? Now, I know she's still technically a TNA talent. She's you know, was the TNA champion not too long ago. But damn, bro. Charmel, are we running out of girls? I could think of more. (laughs) 
Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. And there's rumors going around of Psycho Sid. Absolutely. There's rumors of the Steiner brothers. I mean, hell. Rick Steiner's son is pretty much NXT champ. Was just NXT champ. Now that all depends on Uncle Scotty. <laughs> Crazy old Uncle Scotty. If Scott Steiner accepts it, Braun Breaker will be inducting his dad and his uncle into the Hall of Fame. The Steiner brothers, by far for me, just me, y'all could all disagree because I understand the Road Warriors, you know, the Dudleys, you know, uh, you know, the Hardys, Edge and Christian. You, you know, y'all can pick whoever you want. My favorite tag team of all time was the Steiner brothers. Talk about human suplex machines. Those are my boys. <laughs> and, and obviously, I'm a big fan of now Braun Breaker. You know, I wish he would have been Braun Steiner or or Rex Steiner or whatever. But I guess the Steiner name is 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 a no no in WWE right now <laughs> because of Big Uncle Scotty. <laughs> but there's going to be a lot of things going on in Texas and, uh, you know, in the spirit of Steve Austin, I'm going to try to raise a lot of hell over there, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun in another two weeks. And as a big old wrestling fan and the kid in me cannot wait. So with that being said, this was episode 63 of the Jay's weekend wrestling podcast. And, uh, yeah, man, I'll be back next week. For episode 64, I had just did an episode. I have just, uh, my boys at the s podcast posted it up for me. My fifth episode of my horror podcast, Nightmares on J Street, where myself and my dad, the OG of horror talk, we get into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The original and the new one that just came out on Netflix a few weeks back. We get into that, and then our next episode, we're going to be talking to Candyman. So... It's going to be a lot of fun. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. And uh, yeah, I am Jay. I'll be back for episode 64. And I'm going to leave you guys with Scott Hall's final words at his WWE Hall of Fame induction. Enjoy. Check it out. In my lifetime, I've learned. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do.